Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Sarah Seibert, and today we're joined by Kurt Delbene, CIO of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Delbene joined the agency almost one year ago in December 2021. Since then, he has been focused on modernizing with a vision, placing end users at the center of every digital transformation effort. Key to this approach is Delbene's recently launched Vision 2022 strategy, which prioritizes transparency, customer experience, VA's workforce, and more. I'll turn it over to Mr. Delbene, who will further discuss this strategy and explain what led him to the VA. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. To kick off the episode, I'd like to dive into your background. So what led you to VA and how is your experience from the public sector IT environment guiding your strategies as CIO? Well, I spent most of my career in the in the commercial space, uh, a long time at Microsoft, um, but I'm an engineer by trade. And as I got uh, towards the point where I um, was thinking about what I wanted to do next um, and think about retiring from Microsoft, I thought, I was looking for something where the mission was really important, um, important in terms of the folks that are served. And if, if you think about the VA, one, you think about the scale of the organization. We're talking about the largest integrated healthcare provider in the United States. Um, it's the largest benefits company as, as well. Um, and so those two things together just create a massive opportunity to deliver services that are critically needed by veterans, and but also have that opportunity to give back. and the skills that we have as technologists are just so critical um, and can make such a difference uh, in terms of uh, just delivering on those benefits. I mean, I, people talk about this notion of the digital um, transformation that's going on. Uh, and, and at its heart, that, conver- that transformation is the same, whether it's in the commercial sector or whether it's in the government sector. There's some, some specific aspects of it, but it's really about this notion that these systems are not that that drive things like benefits like healthcare are central to delivering on the mission of the organization. And so I, my last role at Microsoft was around doing the tr- digital transformation of our internal systems. And I really thought there was an opportunity to, to kind of use that skill set um, and deliver those that kind of transformation to the federal government as well. And on, as I said, a mission that I thought was absolutely critical. So how I thought about it is I, I kind of took some of the, the learnings that I had from doing it on the commercial sector and figured out which ones apply in the federal space as well. One of the things that was very really critical is getting the, the leaders in the organization and the teams to talk well to each other. And so one of the very first things we did was to set the organization, make the organization flatter so that there's richer communications across the teams. And so we restructured the team fairly early on, about three months in, um, and really it was around getting clear swim lanes, clear responsibilities, getting very fast communications across the different teams. And I think that structure has really helped. The other thing we did was kind of thought through what's the role of contractors. I think it's pretty well known in the federal government that contractors are a critical part of what we do. And one of the things I learned early on is contractors weren't at the table. And if you think about it, you've kind of got your product management part of the team, you've got overall leadership, you've got the testing function, you've got the security function, but then contractors very often are as that development team in a lot of cases. And we've worked at how we get them to be more integrated into the work that we're, we're doing. And that actually, I think, has been really, really critical. And so you have to think differently 
about how you compose your teams than how you do it in the commercial sector where your contractors are in, or your development is mostly internal. Um, and then the other thing has really been around uh, clear focus, um, a clear technical roadmap. One of the things I've spent a little bit of time um, working on healthcare.gov when that, or the Obamacare site when that crashed. And one of the things we learned there was that if you have a very complicated system that has multiple piece parts, each with their own contracting organization doing a piece of it, when it all comes together, it doesn't necessarily work. And it didn't in that case. And so that really gets to this question of how do you create unified teams? How do you get clarity of mission? How do you get metrics that are measuring success in a comprehensive way? How do you create dashboards um, that really say, this is how things are going? How, what are your goals in terms of improving those key metrics in the organization? These are all things that we learn in the commercial sector um, and become more important with digital transformation and the centrality of these systems. And so it's really, it's been very energizing to kind of take those learnings and adapt them to what works well in, in an enormous organization the size of the, of the VA. And then the final thing I'd say is just so impressed with the sense of purpose and mission that the team has as well. You know, we are about 49, 50% veterans in my organization, or our organization. And it shows because these are people who similarly want to give back um, of the skills that they've learned on, on such an important mission and, and their, their fellow teammates when they're in active service. And of course, um, their uh, caregivers, their survivors, um, and their families. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the key trend I was picking up on is uh, transparency. And I'm sure with an organization, it's 400,000 employees, if my last stat is correct. Uh, I'm sure that's even more important as you integrate modernization into the equation. It, it really is. The thing that you find is that, you know, we have a lot of masters. We have a lot of people who, you know, they there are operational directives that come from you know, from Congress, they come from the agency or the, the overall administration, lots of different stakeholders. And to your point about clarity, sifting through that and finding the, the absolute highest priority thing to be doing and kind of stack ordering those things. I'm, I think people on my team would, would kind of say that I'm pretty obsessive and, and passionate about listing things in order of priority and having it be okay for the things that are further down the priority list to not get done because we're focused on those most critical things at the top. Right, yeah, and I'm sure core to that is your new strategy. Uh, you recently announced your vision 2022 strategy. Could you explain this and discuss how it will transform VA IT's uh, modernization approach? Sure, and it's it's really, uh, it's kind of a vision for a vision, if you will. Um, it is. It has four components and it comes from this notion that when I stepped back and spent the first few months kind of looking at the complexity of the organization and all the things going on, there were a few things that I thought, not in terms of projects that we needed to work on, but rather what are the kind of guiding lights that we need to be really focused on to get the organization into a place of, of you know, true excellence in terms of delivering on their mission. And the first one is really about being vision driven. Um, this has been something I've been passionate about throughout my career. You need to, to define what you think the vision is for the area, articulated in terms of delivering on the needs of the stakeholders or the end consumers of the service. And from there, you need to connect that to a two to three year roadmap 
of what you want to deliver in a priority order of those things, and you need to connect it to resourcing as well. And so those three things come together into kind of a game plan. And then you go out to, to your stakeholders and you say, you know, you can first go to them and say, what's your vision for what you're trying to do to deliver, for instance, VHA delivering healthcare. But if they don't have it articulated the way you think you need it, I think it's fine to go out and have a straw man and say, from what we've heard from the work we're doing for you, this is what we think your vision looks like. Now work with us to kind of have a shared vision here and then we'll define a, a roadmap that connects to that and we'll figure out the resourcing. And again, we'll be very prioritized in that resourcing. So again, the first thing is around vision-driven execution and having that be the anchor point or the North Star of how, how we work. The second thing is around operational excellence. And again, when you get to an organization the size and the complexity of the VA, um, you know, almost a thousand systems. And you really do have to step back and say, what, how are we going to get to operational excellence in all of those systems? So it comes down to we, we've started an effort, um, which, again, is historically I've had these organizations that have led around engineering excellence um, and also security excellence, because those two go hand in hand. The notion of engineering excellence is you look at how you build software today. You figure out what's the best, the most effective way to build it moving forward and how are we missing the, the mark, for instance, in our approaches to agile development. Where are we finding gaps? Where are we finding that we have um, incidents that crop up? And what does it say about our processes? For instance, how many what percentage of your outages are caused by unforced errors? How many of them are things, silly things like certificates expiring and whether you had a notice to that? How much of your problems are caught by telemetry? These are all things we do in the commercial space to get super, super rigorous around how we execute. And it becomes a cycle. You do it as kind of the rinse, lather, and repeat. You figure out a problem you have, you fix it, you turn around the crank again, and you see if you solve the problem. And then security excellence, I, I really am very passionate about. I tell the team, you don't get to do new features until you, the features that you are running and the systems that you're running are secure. And we've really focused there around zero trust. Um, because I think it's a great enveloping and overall strategy for how to think about security. And from there, again, if that's your vision, you've got this set of things you're driving in the near term. Um, and then I think that all ties into resource allocation, where if you know what you're trying to accomplish, what you're trying to accomplish in the near term, where the gaps are in your capabilities, then you know that's where your resource allocation has to be. The third thing is around creating a delightful end user experience. Um, and this is a recognition that the expectations of how end users want to interact with the government is very similar, or ought to be similar to how they interact with, with uh, uh, service providers in the commercial world. And that means it's a, an experience where it's intuitive to use. It means it has a web user experience. It means it has a mobile experience as well. We've spent a bunch of time creating a great mobile applications and a single user experience that the, VA, the veteran comes in and can see his or her you know, healthcare situation when they've got an upcoming appointments, uh, their benefits and the status of their benefits, every, all those kinds of services coming into a con, an individual consumer experience and then getting feedback. How do they like it? What do they want to see next? And that is, so again, these parallels of what you expect to see on the government side, um, dealing with citizens as customers and veterans, and what um, commercial entities do to be successful in the commercial space are very similar. And then the fourth piece around the vision is really just people excellence. Um, I think you have to be very conscious about and committed to your workforce, understanding 
what are the gaps in terms of them having fulfilling careers? What does their career path look like? Are you creating an environment that is supportive and supports diversity of thought um, and experience? Uh, these are really critical things and they have to be central to how you think about the team. And then you, from there, again, if you take an engineer's mindset, what are our gaps? Do we have clarity on how you go from one step in your career to the next? How do we take veterans that are passionate about giving back and give them compelling careers in the cyberspace? So these all things come around to this notion of really focusing on and being great and supporting and developing people in your organization. So that's really the gist of it. And that becomes, those become the anchor points that we're driving the team on. And they're kind of that North Star of how we make those trade-offs and decisions about the work that we do. Right. That sounds like a great strategy. And I've heard a few leaders at VA mention that veteran-centric approach where you're focusing on the end user to drive development instead of, you know, creating a product and then just seeing how the end users interact with it, building it in from the beginning. That sounds great. So I'd like to dig a little deeper into that. How are you incorporating user feedback and human-centered design principles to drive modernization of veteran services? Well, the first thing is we talked a bit about um, the single point of, of connection to uh, the VA and you know the website is va.gov, but we also have a mobile application. And so it starts with the, the notion that you really should think about having a great user experience that people know how to use and it's a delight for them to use. But then it does become this, this kind of cycle of how do you get feedback on what they're actually experiencing and iteratively getting better at, um, at that delivery over time. And so we're de developing these things with veterans input um, at its core so that we can develop and deploy apps that are accessible and that accomplish exactly what they need. We have done a ton of human-centered design sprints. Um, we, as part of that, we talk to veterans, their caregivers, um, among others, and we guide that guides the, the design of the product itself and the tools that we use to create it. I mean, just to give you some sense of the scope of what we're talking about, since to, uh, 2019, we've talked to nearly 4,000 veterans, family members, and caregivers, um, and engaged in over 550 studies to, to get this feedback. Like this year alone, we'll have close to 1,000 participants who've been involved in 65 studies, um, and they've helped us to deliver over 70 different products, tools, and services uh, for VA.gov, that, that central veterans experience. But it's not just that, we've modernized the GI Bill digital experience as well. Um, that began about a year and a half ago when we moved into a digital platform, giving people better access to education benefits. Um, across the board, in each one of the experiences that we have, we're figuring out how do we do that transformation? What is it that the, the customer, in this case, the veteran or family members or caregivers need? And then really getting that feedback iteratively um, into, the, into the experience and into our product plans. And then the final thing I'd say here is um, it's just as important that we do this with our internal systems as well. And so we told people recently, how do we get to a point where every single one of our applications internally has feedback um, on how people like it? Uh, you know, at Microsoft, we had this thing called Send a Smile. And we put it in there. I'm not sure we got a mix of smiles and frowns, of course, but it allowed at the point of use to give this feedback that says, hey, this is not working the way I expect it to be, or if we got delight too, where they said, you know, this is great, do more of this. Um, and then across all of this, it's that commitment to accessibility. We wanna to get to the point where 
you know, the, the veteran or the internal user, uh, if they have, uh, if they're differently enabled or have some issues around doing particular tasks, we want to make sure that our software adapts to that. Um, we kind of changed the, the approach there. Um, I think people typically think about uh, um, accessibility as 100% of your site should be accessible. And what we want is 100% of the user experiences, their touches of our site to be accessible. So we tend to be super, super focused on how often are people hitting different resources, different tools, and going left to right down that histogram so that we can increase the overall percentage of touch points that are accessible. And that is actually distinctly different than saying 100% of your resources um, are, are accessible. So that gives you some sense, but I hope the thing that you come away with is it does, this whole notion of focused on the end user kind of pervades everything that we do uh, in our team. Right. Yeah, that's great to hear. And earlier in the episode, you mentioned the importance of VA employees, that they really drive the mission and the transformation. Uh, I've heard talks of creating a special salary for cyber professionals to close the pay gap and other incentive programs to bring uh, top talent to VA. So mm -hmm. how are you developing a workforce strategy to improve VA's ability to recruit and retain cyber talent? It's That's a really good question. It's something we ponder all the time. And there was a study done by the Commerce Department it said that uh, there are more than 700,000 cyber job openings in the United States alone. Um, and it's an incredibly tough market. I know that from being on the commercial side, how difficult it is for me to hire the talent that I, or to at that point in time to hire the talent that I needed. And it's di just as difficult or perhaps more difficult in the federal space as well. And it really is critical that not only do you bring your talent in, but that you need to actually develop that talent and make them happy and, and feel like they got fulfilled careers. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is one of the great things we have working in our favor is just, as I said earlier, the mission of the VA. And we get a lot of people who want, like the, the reason I'm there, the reason veterans are there, the reason all of the team is there is around how do you give back? And that makes a, that makes a huge difference. But then we actually have to look and find out, one, where, what are the work, uh, the amount of, of talent that we have that we need and where do we get that? And so we've worked with Congress, we've worked with the administration to say, you know, we need more talent in this area. Let us tell you precisely where that talent needs to be and then advocate for getting the funding necessary to, to bring that talent in. Um, the next thing that you have to tackle is uh, sources of talent. We think there's a huge opportunity to bring in more veterans and to give them skilled uh, roles moving forward in, in this uh, burgeoning cyberspace. But then you also have to provide them uh, with uh, compensation and benefits that are, that are consistent with what, they'd, what their other alternatives are. And the current uh, GS or general schedule pay um, is an obstacle there. Um, we did analysis of just the DC market, for instance, and showed that there's a, up to a 66% disparity um, in, in pay levels. And so we worked with, uh, to create this thing called a special salary rate, and we're working with the Office of Personnel Management, or called OPM, um, to be able to fill a bunch of that gap. And this could impact for us over 75,000 uh, federal employees across our organization and other parts of the federal government. So really that is identifying the gap and saying, you know, it may be a challenge to get this special salary rate done, but we got to do it if we're going to actually bring the talent in that we need. 
And so we're optimistic the OPM, uh, that the OPM will bring it to approval um, and we're looking for how we fund that in our upcoming budgets. Um, and then, you know, the, as I said before, other things that are absolutely critical are the mission. I think it's important for us to have a work-life balance have that sense of mission coupled with, you know, I understand what I'm trying to accomplish and I can accomplish it with the resources that I have. I think there have been a lot of areas where we've been understaffed. We're working hard to make sure we've got adequate staffing at every point. And, you know, just telling people, here's the clarity of what we need to get accomplished, but it's up to you and it's important to you. And we will support you in providing that work-life balance. Um, and so I think these things all come together to really create a place that is a compelling place to, to give back, to have a, a meaningful career, to have a career path in, a, in you know, like one of the most um, explosive areas uh, in the workplace today and in, in the market today, which is you know, the whole cyber and cybersecurity space. So I'm pretty bullish overall, but there's, it's a lot of work. It's something we do every day, uh, kind of identifying the gaps and figuring out how we're going to close them. Yeah, that's really exciting, though. There's a lot of new progress around that space. Uh, so earlier, you mentioned creating a flat organization where you can see across all functions of VA. What goes into breaking down silos across VA's administrations to take a unified approach to modernization and cybersecurity? It's, it's a really good question. I mean, um, modernization is such a broad term, and you can't have modernization for its own sake. Um, Although, you know, there are, if one of the inputs that we have is uh, some of the systems at the VA are very, very old. Um, and we've got to prioritize fixing them. And you've really got to figure out um, how is it you motivate the need to fix those, those particular uh, um, systems? Because if they're, if they're operating well, or they appear to be, then they're not gonna, you know, it's gonna be the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. And for us in particular, once you have this sense of engineering excellence, you really can pinpoint where are the places you have troubles, where are they actually contributing to a problem and delivering on the mission of different organizations. I do think it comes down to how do you get the stakeholders involved then in understanding here's where we are today and here's where we're moving to in the future. And therefore, this is the prioritization of all of the work that needs to get done. So it is this notion of digital transformation, but connected to a sense of, of shared vision with your stakeholders. Um, and it's different from, there's this phrase in IT called, I want to partner with the business. And I just never knew what that meant because, you know, if you're a busy person delivering healthcare, I think the last thing you want is somebody coming to you and saying, I want to partner with you. If you instead come to them and say, this is what I think your goals are. This is how software I think can enable us to do better at delivering on, on your stakeholders and your customers or, or veterans in our case or their families and caregivers, then I think that's a compelling argument. I think that's where you get their engagement. So it is about uh, taking these central systems, understanding what they need to do next. And from there, not just engineering the, the kind of trajectory of features, but also figuring out how do we get them to be highly resilient systems? Like, so if I take, you know, our electronic healthcare system, record system or our veterans benefits management system, if these things go down, it is tens and hundreds of thousands of people that are impacted. And then the, the end users are impacted as well. So we have to have the right features, but we also have to have this really high degree of availability. And that drives a set of architectural invest, investments. It has this rhythm, as I was talking about, of each and every issue kind of uh, 
uh, diagnosing what the problem is, spinning around and figuring out what the solution is. Um, and so it's these two things that couple together to really create uh, this momentum towards modernization. What are you doing to, to get great execution? What do you need to do to drive that next set of features that are really going to deliver on the mission um, for your stakeholders or the, the people who drive the businesses or in the business, in this case, the administrations or the agencies rather? Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm sure that you'll see progress from that. It's uh, very targeted. Uh, so looking ahead, uh, we're entering into a new year. What are some of your top projects or priorities you'll focus on? Oh, well, some of there's uh, a few things. One, there have been there are a set of big projects that the VA is working on, and that's really those are really critical to me um, that we need to keep a hold of. The, there's a transformation of uh, electronic health records we're going through. That's a critical project. Supply chain systems for all the VAs, a critical project, a new health, uh, HR system. So any one of these in you know in the commercial space might be the thing you're focused on you know, for a majority of, of what your effort is. But we've got, we've got a set of those we've got to work on. I would put uh, security at the top of the list, though. Um, I tell the team we want to get to a demonstrably better uh, security position um, where we can see in all these systems that the, we've closed vulnerabilities. Um, the team does a fantastic job uh, in terms of the, the um, blocking and tackling around security but you've really got to step back and this notion of zero trust allows you to be clear on what your responsibilities are, what your what the relative priorities are. And so I think that's a really critical initiative for us. And cyber is probably number one on the list. The second thing is I think there's an opportunity for us to really drive um, a greater rigor through a, a couple of the gates that are really important in terms of approval of projects within government and in particular in the VA. And these two uh, gates for us are FATARA and ATOs, or um, authorization to operate. And what they do collectively is before you spend the money, you've got to go through, if it's an IT system, you've got to go through FATARA review. So there's your opportunity to not start things unless there's a clear path to what you're going to use the money for. And then you can also set up a review process of how you come back, because these things come back um, again and again, like for optional years on the contract, et cetera. And then ATO is that opportunity, if you take it seriously, of really saying you're authorizing this thing to be operate on your network or in the cloud and be associated with your organization, the VA in our cases, this is your place to say, if we're going to be rigorous about this and here are the requirements that we are going to enforce if you're going to operate on the network or you're going to operate as part of the VA. And I think that's been a missed opportunity to bring everything into a single gating process and really put some teeth behind it. And so we're, we're super focused on the two of those as well. But it's uh, a lot of work and a lot of um, a lot of irons in the fire, but a huge opportunity um, to serve veterans better. Yeah, you certainly have a lot on your plate and I wish you luck. I know you have a great team backing these efforts. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It was an honor to have you on the show, and I can't wait to watch how you'll transform the VA. Well, thanks. It's an, it's an incredibly exciting space. It's a fantastic team, and uh, stay tuned for great things to come from in the future. Thank you. Yeah, I certainly will. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. 
watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 